0: Today, we're going to continue the fivefold ministry. Has anyone been enjoying the series so far? Yeah. And if you're new, if it's your first time, don't worry, I'm going to be recapping and kind of explaining. So, um, yeah, we're going to go for a ride. So, <laughs> um, okay, so the fivefold ministry, some of you may have heard of it, some of you may have not. It refers to God's strategy to take care of the church and equip God's people in their own works of ministry. So i repeat that. The fivefold ministry, and feel free to make notes, by the way. I'm going to be talking a lot. So the fivefold ministry refers to God's strategy to take care of the church and equip God's people in their own works of ministry. So in Ephesians 4, Paul talks to the church in Ephesus, and he names these five different graces or these five different functions. So they're the apostles, the prophets, the pastors, the evangelists, and the teachers. And so this week, we're in our fourth um, sermon of the series, and so we've kind of looked over the apostles, the prophets, and the evangelists so far, and they've all been really, really great. So if we turn to um, Ephesians 4, um, 11 to 13, I'll read it. So it says, yeah, feel free to like turn or Google it. Um... Yeah, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Okay, so there was a lot of words there and we're gonna kind of break it down as we kind of go along. But essentially, these five different groups or these five different functions are called to kind of equip equip people, and serve people, essentially. So in the passage, they're called gifts from God. um, But these functions, or these different um, people that relate to these functions, are servants focused on helping God's people become who God's called them to be, and to empower them to go out and build the kingdom. Another word that you could use for these functions are graces. The word grace means divine enablement. So something that you do through God and maybe something that comes naturally to you because of who God has created you to be. Is everyone with me so far? Yeah, yeah, cool. So it's important to stress that these apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers, they're not an identity, they're not a title or a hierarchy. You know, we're all part of the body of Christ and we all have a part to play in God's magnificent plan. Uh, And we were all created for a purpose. So these fivefold gifts are referring to those that may be called to serve the church. But there are many who are called to actually impact our world in their own spheres and build the kingdom of God outside the church. So the fivefold are here to serve you in doing that better. So hopefully you can gain something from these messages, whether it's learning about these graces or actually learning about how these graces can serve you. And um, equip you to go out and um, do God's work. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's also important to note that when we're talking about the fivefold, it's a part, a small part of God's big plan. So, everyone say, God's got a plan. So, tell your neighbor, God's got a plan. Tell your other neighbor, did you hear, God's got a plan? <laughs> Okay, so, so what is this plan? And when I'm talking about the kingdom, what do I actually mean? So Jesus often said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Or he said stuff like, seek first the kingdom of, kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. So what is the kingdom of God? So, any kingdom is ruled by a king and is defined by the principles, structures, and values set by that king. So, the kingdom of heaven is when God and his perspective rules and reigns over situations. Can I get an amen? So, the good news is God's heart is always to heal, redeem, restore. And his fruits are always peace, joy, gentleness, patience, kindness, self-control, long-suffering. The fruit is always good. The plans of God and the kingdom of heaven, it looks like, you know, redeemed and transformed and people being free from anxiety and fear. You know, God has a solution to every single problem on this earth. And he longs to bring that transformation into our churches, but also into our cities, into our nations. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so his presence and the Holy Spirit gives people the grace or the divine enablement to be a part of this incredible plan inside and outside of the church. Yeah. And um, the start isn't really the church. The church isn't even really the focus. The focus is really the kingdom of heaven and, you know, outside of these four walls. That makes sense. Yeah. So when we declare heaven on earth, we take what's available to us through Jesus and we take what's available to us in heaven and declare that on earth. So a way to explain that is kind of like, um, you know, Jesus has kind of given us a credit card and he gives us the credit card and we we just use it. You know, we have like an inheritance. And so our inheritance is that God says yes. He says yes to healing. He says yes to reconciliation. He says yes to restoration. He says yes to redemption. He says yes to seeing heaven on earth. Yeah, does that make sense so far? Yeah. So when we're talking about the fivefold, I've mentioned that these are the gifts from God in order to serve the church. And it's kind of like God's strategy in how he wants to equip the church. And um, so I'll kind of go into briefly into the, um, the other ones before I go into um, the pastor one, which we're talking about today. So the apostles and the prophets, the apostles look to heaven and declare God's presence and strategies and values on earth. They, they look at what the Lord is doing or heaven's blueprint and declare, that's what I want to see here. They want to see um, revival. They want to see healing. They want to see restoration and redemption. But they don't just look to the church. They also look to nations. Does that make sense so far? Yeah. And then the next one is the prophet. The prophet will look at, you know, what is God saying in terms of um, like the spiritual realm or essentially what is God saying? And he, they also don't just look to the church. They actually look to nations and cities as well. Does that make sense? So, so far, we've talked about the apostles and prophets that are kind of looking to heaven and figuring out, Lord, what do you want to do? And we want to see that here. You know, when we say that we long for a revival, we want to see a change, we want to see a shift. That's kind of like the things that we're talking about. So last week we also talked about the evangelist, and the evangelist is focused on the lost. So they're focused on the people outside of the church, and they're focused on getting people into these doors. They're focused on um, the foundations of our faith, faith, looking at baptism, salvation, and you know the almost like the bread and butter, the thing that got us here today. And I feel like every single one of us are here because of an evangelist somehow, some way, and we're really grateful for them. <laughs> And so now we're moving on to the pastor. So once uh, you get through these doors, salvation or a relationship with Jesus is like an open door. It's like, it's not the end, it's actually just the beginning. And many of us can probably testify that there's lots of blessings and trials um, in this walk with Jesus. Like it just doesn't just end when we say yes to Jesus, but actually we have a purpose and a plan. And um, every day requires laying down, you know, the things that we want to do or our fleshly desires. And every day requires, you know, surrendering to the Lord. And that can be challenging. Um, we may know that we're supposed to forgive. We may know that we're not supposed to idolize. And, but living these things out can be kind of challenging. And it really helps that we have community around us, you know, to help us do this walk. You know, turn to your neighbor and say, you know, I really need you. (laughs) I can't do this on my own. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so, you know, we see an example of this in terms of the parable of the sower, um, where it's in Matthew 13, and it's a story and a parable that Jesus says to try and explain, um, you know, understanding um, the word of God and stuff. So, basically, um, I'll just read it. Um, so a farmer went out to sow his seed and as he was scattering the seed, some fell across the path and the birds came up and ate it. Some fell in the rocky places where there was not much soil. Um, and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. And when the sun came up, the plants were scorched. And they were withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns which grew and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop. A hundred, sixty, thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. What that essentially is looking at is you may hear like the word of God. But our, the soil in this story is our hearts and the way that we, you know, react to it. So it's really important to, or important to acknowledge that, you know, we have our external environments in terms of, you know, temptations and stuff. We also have our internal like doubts or idols and fears. And so what I'm trying to say is that when we receive the word of God, there are other things that come into play as well, if that makes sense. And it's important to kind of, you know, as a community, or even as individuals kind of acknowledge them and be like, okay, you know, I'm struggling with this and I'm struggling with that. And, you know, how do I kind of deal with it kind of thing? So um, the word pastor is also translated as the shepherd. And so I was kind of talking about the apostles looking to, and the uh, prophets kind of focusing on what, what is heaven doing and the evangelists outside, like bringing people in. But the pastors are focused on the flock. And so in terms of like a shepherd are focused on the people. How are they doing? Creating a healthy environment and a culture of community. The pastors are called to build up and serve individuals to win and be successful in their lives. So this can look like marriage courses. It can look like our unfiltered relationships roundtable, table, which is on Thursday. It can look like Parenting seminars, finance talks, couples therapy, counseling. It looks at building up the individual and building up, um, like, units. So the marriages and the families and this, this kind of perspective that if we have healthy families and healthy marriages and healthy individuals, you know, as a unit, we'll all be healthy, if that makes sense. Yeah? So, um, and we're leading people into personal freedom and leading people to transformation and applying that hopefully into every area of their life, not just, you know, the spiritual, but also we want to see people win in their relationships and things like that. Um, so how the pastors may um, interact in terms of our context, I know that you people are often called pastors, like if they lead a church, they're automatically pastor. But I think that that comes from the fact that, you know a pastor may be in charge of a small community but even in themselves they might not actually feel like you know the pastoral grace is the thing that i'm most um, comfortable with or the thing that i most relate to does that make sense so even though people may be called pastors they may actually have a prophetic grace or a evangelistic grace or an apostolic grace and it's a the thing that's different there is what are their priorities or what are, what is the thing that they naturally just really, their heart burns for, if that makes sense. So, but I think as well, it's important to say that we don't just want pastors, you know, we don't just want apostles, we don't just want prophets, we want the whole fivefold to work together because we need that input from heaven, we need that guidance from the pro- prophets, we need the evangelists to bring people in, you know, we need teachers to teach about, you know, what is the word of God actually saying and what is the standard. Does that make sense? So, the whole fivefold and this strategy that God has is to kind of equip and Uh, have a a group of people or group of functions working together in order to serve people to be able to go out. So yeah. And so in our context, a good example is our cruise leaders, as you just mentioned. So um, yeah, so in terms of our cruise leaders, I kind of want to make the distinction between pastors and teachers. So in terms of our cruise leaders, they're not necessarily teaching because the resources that they get is from Sunday's sermon, right? But the thing that they are doing is facilitating conversation and bringing about community and accountability. And that's really what the pastoral is about. And, the, and there is good news there as well because we're not all called to be doing everything. We're supposed to be a body. We're supposed to be working together. And so a great verse is 1 Corinthians 3, 6-9. to Um, I'll let you give you a second to go there. Um, 1 Corinthians 3, 6 to 9. And it says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes it grow. So what that means is, so I think it's Paul, yeah, it's Paul said he, he was faithful and he planted the seed. Apollos is the one who watered it, but God is the one who made it grow. Yeah, so we all kind of have our function. So I'm going to keep reading. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose. And they will be each rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. We are God's field and God's building. Does that make sense? So you see how Apollos was was faithful with all I need to be doing is watering. I don't need to be throwing the seeds, trying to catch a few seeds. You know what I mean? Paul water, um, water doesn't need to be getting the water. We're all just called to do our little bit. And the fact is that God is the one that gets the glory because it's all about him at the end of the day. So what I'm saying is that we all have a purpose and each purpose is important and different. And all we're called to do is be faithful with what we've been given and let God get the glory, let God increase and let God move. And it's really, it's really kind of, it brings me to awe and wonder that, you know, I'm a part of something that's so much bigger, you know? This, this plan for the Lord to bring heaven on earth, this plan for him to redeem every city, every nation, you know, to have people and every tribe, every tongue bowing to the name of the Lord, you know, every business, every, everything that we can think of being redeemed and restored, for there to be no, you know, suffering, no pain, no sickness, you know, that, that's the plan of the Lord, and we're only doing, like, our small part. And the great thing is that the Lord sees our part, and all he wants us to do is be faithful. So, yeah. Um, and um, we also see this, like, unity and this fellowship in Acts 2. So Acts 2, verses 42 to 47. So to give some context, um, the Holy Spirit has... Jesus has ascended and the Holy Spirit just has just fallen on Pentecost, if that makes sense. So, and um, I love the fact that the Holy Spirit, he's not just powerful, but the fruit that the Holy Spirit brings is good. You know, it's peace, it's joy, it's gentleness, it's goodness. Like when you get more of God, you just get more good. Like, um, I love sweets. <laughs> and like, if I had, too many sweets like yeah i would have to be going to the dentist and it's just going to be cute but like with god you can have so much of god and it would just never be bad for you it's just always good and i think yeah yeah so, yeah, in Acts 2, we kind of see how the Holy Spirit falls, and um, it says, um, these are the early, this is the early church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So you love how the apostles brought, you know, brought that revelation and, um, you know, the glory of God and the Holy Spirit fell. And the apostles may be taught about the culture and pioneered and started something. But you can see the fruit of that is that the believers started sharing everything they had. The believers started, you know, eating together, um, m- meeting people's needs, you know, and just having that fellowship. So you can see how the, the apostolic is at work, but then the pastoral is coming in, in terms of like community and not just leaving it there. And so the apostolic is important because it brings the supernatural and, and pushes us to, you know, long for God and long for signs and wonders and, and um, revival, but the pastoral sustains that supernatural environment, you know, and creates community and accountability. Yeah. And um, I love that in terms of even the fivefold, where I mentioned that it comes from Ephesians 4, even if we look at the beginning of it, um, if I read from Ephesians 4, verse 1, it says, As the prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of your calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle, be patient. Bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you've been called with one hope, one Lord, one faith and one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So I'll just read the first bit again. This is the this is almost like the context for all of us, you know. This is not necessarily just linked to the fivefold, but this is the atmosphere or the culture that we're kind of called to live in. So it says, be completely humble and gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit. I love that, make every effort. I was listening to a sermon, it was talking about, you know, fight to keep the unity. You know, that is something that is precious and something that we should be striving towards. And I feel like even in terms of like what the Lord has been doing recently in imprint, you know, he's really calling us to be reconcilers. And he's calling us to not just, you know, be civil and kind of walk past each other. He's calling us to be radical in our reconciliation. And a lot of it is not even a skill. It's more like humility and being able to, and being saying like, this is something I want to fight for. I want to fight to be in unity. And um, I love that there's, something um that a church has called the culture of honor and they were saying that they treat each other like they would treat jesus like you know how the bible verse says you know for the least of them if you've done it for the least of them you've done it for me so it's like it's not because someone has earned that you know value or that appreciation it's just that you know that's just the person that i want to be and i just want to kind of encourage us and call us and and maybe we can think about how can we be more radical in our reconciliation? How can we be more radical in our love? You know, beyond even the fivefold, beyond even the fact that if you um, may relate to the pastoral gift or um, grace, it's, it's just like who Jesus has called us to be. Yeah, and um, in Colossians 3, it says, Make allowances for one another's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And Jesus just continues to raise that standard. So, you know, I was kind of talking about how the Holy Spirit fell and, you know, um, in the beginning of Acts, and it brought about community. So I'm kind of continuing on that vein and saying, like, what, what about the community that we're birthing here? You know, what are we allowing the Holy Spirit to just convict us and actually go and speak to people and create this community um, and love? So, you know, and Jesus continues to raise the bar and he continues to raise the standard. And, you know, it's always, they always say, like, we love because he first loved us, you know? So, um, yeah. So, moving back to kind of like the fivefold, um, all of the fivefold gifts the perfect example was Jesus. So he was a perfect apostle, the perfect prophet, the perfect evangelist, the perfect pastor, the perfect teacher. And he was all of those things. And he was 100% God and 100% man. And even that is just wild. But yeah, and he didn't sin at all. And yeah. And so when we're looking at like, um, this pastoral grace, or if you may um, relate to this pastoral grace, we're always trying to be more like Jesus, as all of us are trying to be more like Jesus. And so the actual word pastor um, translates to the word shepherd. And we see, you know, loads of, um, loads of references in Scripture of um, Jesus being the good shepherd. And we can see that he, um, in Psalm 23, he says... He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Um, he nurtures us. In Isaiah 40, it says, He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arm. He will carry them in his bosom, and he will gently lead those that are with the young. And in John 10, it talks about Jesus actually saying that I am the good shepherd. And this is something I actually i am going to pause out for a bit. So it says um, in John 10, it says from verse 11, it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for his sheep. So I'm going to repeat that. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for his sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks and the um, flock scatters. I am... I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as my father knows me and I know my father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not part of this sheep pen. I must bring, bring them also, kind of bringing people in. And they will also listen to my voice and there'll be one flock and one shepherd. So back in the day, the, when we talk about this image of the shepherd, um, they used to have these sheep pens that only had like one door. So the shepherds actually used to sleep, like, across the door. So if anyone was to come in and and affect the um, sheep, they would have to literally walk over the shepherd. So it's, like, literally that image of Jesus laying down his life, you know, for us. We're the sheep, by the way. I forgot to say that. (laughs) But, yeah, like, Jesus literally laying down his life for us. And um, I love this story. So I've been reading um, this devotional and um, Nicky Gumbel shares this story where he says, um, there were these two friends and they used to go to uni together. And they were really, really close. But like, as the years went on, they like weren't as close and you know, different seasons and stuff. And so one of them actually became a judge and they both did law. But the other one um, got in with the wrong crowd and actually had started having a drug addiction. And then they actually started stealing stuff um, for that drug addiction. And so years went by, and one day, the friend with the drug addiction actually came into court um, in the judge's court. And the judge, you know, looking down, recognized his friend. Um, and so you know he was listening to you know everything that the person had done, and it's it pretty bad. I think they stole his stuff. Um, and he was looking down, and he ha- just had this dilemma, like, what do I do? Because you know I care about my friend, but as a judge, I need to make sure that I'm still fair with my ruling. And so he eventually decided, you know, and gave the f- the friend. Um, Find that he was supposed to get but then he got down from his judge chair and got down and went up to him and wrote him a check for the full amount and so you just see the mercy of God which is just like he is fair and he's judge and he's creator but Jesus came down and was you know the manifestation of who the father is and shows the mercy of the father you know And, you know, we see this throughout scripture. We see this through the woman who's caught with adultery and Jesus, you know, all of the Pharisees are pointing to to this woman and saying, you know, you deserve to be stoned. And Jesus says, you know, you know, I don't condemn you, you know, go and sin no more. And so you see that there's this balance of mercy and also, you know, mercy triumphs judgment. And I think that, The whole, you know, revelation of Jesus coming and being uh, like a perfect manifestation of the Father, we see the relationship that the Lord longs to have with us, and I think that that's what the pastoral and community kind of overflows from knowing that we have a Father that longs to be in relationship with us. You know, His kindness is the thing that leads us to repentance. His kindness is the thing that leads us to be like, oh you know, that is, maybe I shouldn't be doing that. It's, you know, we even see it in the Old Testament with God, like feeding Elijah. There's, um, Elijah who just wanted to give up. He wanted to end his life. And he was just like, I'm tired. I can't do this anymore. And you see the Lord feed him and sit with him. That's who the Lord is. We even see it in Genesis where we see, um, this lady called Haggai, and she was feeling really, really rejected, and she cried out, and the Bible says, you know, El Roy, the Lord who sees. And even we see um, a marriage where there was Leah, and she, she didn't feel loved, and she kept having son after son after son, and she, was, she just, the Bible says that she names her son, that the Lord has seen me, you know, the Lord has heard my cry. Yeah. And it's just amazing that this Yahweh, which is the almighty one, is Abba, like our father. Like, I think that's, yeah. So, and we were reading a scripture even at team prayer today, which is, the Lord is near the brokenhearted. He saves the crushed in spirit. Yeah. So, yeah. I feel like that is the foundation of of the pastoral and the way that we should um, interact with one another. You know, he has first loved me and so, you know, I will love. And And I think I see that in many, I feel like in many of our lives, like, well, I don't know, for me personally, I've seen the Lord walk with me through healing. You know, there's healing that the Lord, you know, says, you know you're healed and chains are broken and you're delivered but there's also that healing where you know even your friends they walk with you they listen to you say the same thing over and over again and you have the strength to be able to get up yeah and and that's what the pastoral and that's what even beyond that well how we're called to love one another yeah so yeah, the, the pastors are servants in God's house, just like the rest of the fivefold. And they point to the good shepherd. They point to Jesus. Even in that verse where I was talking about how, um, in John 10, Jesus talks about how he's the good shepherd. He says that he is the only way. You know, in terms of that sheep pen, he's the only way, like in and out. There's only one door. And so even as we're, we may be um, called to serve a small group of, God's people—it's always pointing back to Jesus, always pointing back to, to the Lord. Um, so yeah, the final thing I'm going to be talking about is like, what you know, practically, how does this look in terms of like um, being pastoral? So, pastors are not supposed to take on everyone's burdens. So. And I think that there's a key point in that. The pastors are are supposed to empower people to be able to reach their solution. So, um, I'll, Danny Silk is someone who's um, really identifies with the pastoral grace, and he has loads of like practical tools. And something that he says is the five E's. Everyone say the five E's. So um, the first one is showing empathy, creating an emotional connection. And this can also be used in terms of your own lives as well. Uh, And the second one is actually, second step of the five E's is empowering people to ask questions, to help them identify what is the root cause of what I'm going through right now. And then the third E is exploring, exploring, you know, who might have been affected? What's the solutions to the problem that you're facing? Education, supporting people, and making a plan, and the fifth E is empowering them again. So essentially, it's like you're both looking at the problem. It's not that um, if you um, if you identify with you know the pastoral grace or even helping people, it's like you're not supposed to take the problem on yourself and you be the one that's fighting for the problem more than the person that's fighting for the problem, if that makes sense. You're supposed to be empowering them, standing beside them and looking at the problem and say, you know, what are you going to do? Or how how do you want to approach this? And, and being a supportive person beside someone. And um, the next thing is, as I kind of already mentioned, that we're not past the pastoral grace is not supposed to be the dominant or only office in a church it's supposed to be the fivefold where you have the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the teachers um and it's supposed to be kind of like everyone's accountable to everyone else if that makes sense yeah and the final thing which is i've kind of learned from my own experience is you're not supposed to take on things that you're not equipped to deal with so I I help out with safeguarding. So yeah, if you ever have any like safeguarding concerns, and you your email safeguarding at imprintchesterco.uk and then yeah, I get the email. Um, sounds like a plug, but yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think the thing that I've learned the most is there's this form, and I have to be accountable to other people in terms of in terms of safeguarding, and they always ask me what was your rationale in what you were doing, and so I kind of look at it kind of like in terms of like someone's trying to carry a sofa. So they picked up the sofa and then you picked it up and they're like, you got it? And you're like, yeah. And then it falls down and it hurts their toes because you don't actually got it. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, you shouldn't try and do things that you're not equipped to do, if that makes sense. And so there are like loads of different like things like, um, one, 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 loads of different, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Services, yeah. Loads of different services that are supposed to help. And, um, and there's loads of different leaders and loads of different structures in order for you to help someone. So if, if you feel overwhelmed, that's not something, you don't want to be living from that place, you know? You want to be helping someone, and sometimes helping someone is actually leading them to other resources and other services. Yeah. And so um, something is that if you're angry or burnt out, or oh, people are just going round and round in the same problem then you're not doing the pastoral grace right so if you're angry or you're burnt out and exhausted then you're not doing it right and i think that that's something that i've had to like definitely learn that you know i need to make sure or yeah people yeah you need to make sure that you're not um, emotionally exhausted but actually looking after yourself so how does this maybe relate to you? So I've already kind of mentioned we're all called to love well. And in Galatians 6, 2, it says, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. So I just kind of point out, the word, it says burdens— And it says loads. So carry each other's burdens, but each person should carry their own load. So the word burdens is like an excess when something is too much and it's just like a really big problem and they need someone else to help them carry it. But a load is something that you yourselves are responsible for. And like, this is my stuff and I kind of need to take responsibility for it. So we shouldn't be carrying each other's loads. Does that make sense? we should be helping each other with the things that are like are overwhelming if that makes sense and you know that boundary or understanding that is really helpful because you're able to serve people better because you're not always carrying loads or carrying things that people should be responsible for but you're actually helping them with the things that you should be helping them with if that makes sense yeah and then some skills are being an active listener and being a good listener um another one is Patience. So this is for all of us, by the way, like how we can love well, like patience and giving people time, asking great questions. You see God um, at the end of Job 38 just saying, you know, I'm the one who's going to ask the questions. And you see that there's actually a solution that comes about because he's asking questions. Um, another thing is taking responsibility for our own things and um, wisdom. And finally, accountability. So the pastoral grace, loving people well, doesn't just look like, you know, always like hyping people up or always like, you know, saying that you're doing great when actually maybe there's something that's wrong. It it looks like accountability. It looks like sharpening one another. And often you need kind of like proximity to be able to do that. But yeah, that's the uh, pastoral grace.